listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Welcome to the Integra X-Files, a place where we'll explore and solve for the X factor that will help reshape the future of long-term care pharmacy. Join us to discuss topics and insights that will help you discover ways to grow your pharmacy, stay up to date on important legislative and regulatory issues, learn best practices for operating a profitable pharmacy business, and unlock the mysteries of technology. Join hosts Francis Nehas, Chief Strategy Officer for Red Sail Technologies, and Jim McDonald, Vice President of Sales at Integra, as they connect with experts and leaders in the field to bring you content that matters in long-term care. Welcome, everybody, to the Integra X-Files podcast. We are super excited to be here with you again this month. Um, We've got a great topic this month. We're going to be talking about pharmacy automation, which is a topic near and dear to my heart, given where I started in the healthcare industry. So this will be a fun conversation. Uh, My name is Frances Nahas. I'm the Chief Strategy Officer with Red Sail Technologies, and I'm going to hand it to Jim, our co-host this week, to introduce himself and our fantastic guest. Hi, I'm Jim McDonald. I'm the Vice President of Sales at Red Sail Technologies. And our guest today is Miriam Cho. She's PharmD president of MacRx Pharmacy in the Chicago area. So welcome, Miriam. Uh, we're looking forward to talking to you about automation today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, sure. Um, so my name is Miriam. I am the president and chief pharmacy officer for MacRx. Um, I started with MacRx in Illinois. That was our only pharmacy back in 2015. Um, and when I had started at that facility, that pharmacy, we had serviced about 17 facilities, and now we service a little bit over 146 in the tri-state area. So we it's grown about- just a little bit. Yes. <laughs> just a few extra just facilities in that time. Right, right. <laughs> That's right. Um, and now, um, you know, COVID, um, during COVID, we did bring on about 2,500 lives during COVID, and then we're in the process of onboarding another 1,200 residents on June 1st here. So we'll hit almost 25,000 residents out of the Illinois location um, by mid-year of 2023. Um, we also did an acquisition in uh, MedScript Pharmacy in Noblesville, Noblesville, Indiana in January of 2021. And that was an acquisition. So you can imagine it was a lot different than what we went through here at MAC. Um, and then we have a nice little startup in St. Louis, um, and we'll start dispensing there in July 1st um, of this year, so just a few months from now. Um, so it's really exciting. I'm actually really excited and, and thankful to be here because across the three different pharmacies, we really went through a different process and mindset for automation and impl- implementation of pharmacy automation across all the three locations. So, you know, in this plains, we didn't have barely any automation. Um, if you consider that to the acquisition at MedScript in Indiana, they had a ton of automation not being utilized very well at all. Um, and then for um, St. Louis, we I kind of had a, you know, a really fun time time being able to identify a what clean slate right to start with, yeah. for, exactly and kind of how we're going to hone in and 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 from the jump we're going to have automation from the get-go which is a lot different yeah. than a growing pharmacy um where you kind of have your processes in place and then you kind of roll into automation down the road yeah so did so, you standardize on your automation on so all locations then so now it's it's been a little bit of time we have a, a little bit of additional automation in 
Indiana at this time, but that's just based off the need there. So for the most part, all the farm, all three pharmacies have um, punch card automation. Um, and then we have um, pouch automation. So single and multi-dose pouch capabilities at the Indiana location. Awesome. So how, when you started out in pharmacy school, is this where you thought you'd, you'd end up or how did you, how did, how did your career kind of go that this is where, this that's, is where you landed? That's, that's a long story, but I'll give you cliff notes version. Um, <laughs> so I actually worked retail pharmacy for a very long time. I did, I was like something called a project one specialist with CVS pharmacy and they kind of placed me in locations because I didn't want to do more corporate CVS structure. Um, so they placed me in a location that was kind of struggling, whether it came to their PNL or their staffing or, you know, um, you know, their technicians or even growing their pharmacist base there. Yeah. Um, and then I would spend maybe like a year, maybe a little bit over a year at that location. So I was at my third location, which I had converted to the first 24-hour location in our um, in wow. our geographic yeah. zone. Um, and so then I my overnighter was late. And so then he was like, can you cover for me for a little bit? I'll be right there. And I said, sure. And I got a phone call for a backup transfer for a brand new long-term care pharmacy that was not 24-7 at that time. And they okay. had called me for a backup medication. And I just so happened to know that pharmacist. You know, it's a really small world. So she was like, Miriam, I can, we really need people like you here. Would you come and interview? We have spots available. And I thought about it. My daughter was going into kindergarten yeah. and I want, you know, be able to do something. So I did three months later, they asked me to take over as a director and then fast forward and we're here now. So yeah. I don't so regret that's awesome. It. So, so you basically started as like the one woman tiger team to like go <laughs> in and, and optimize the pharmacies. I love this. I hope so. I don't know. Yeah. So I, mean, I think we're able to take a lot of things that we, we had there and apply it to a startup setting where maybe there aren't as many rules yet. And a lot of people yeah. are wearing a lot of hats. And then you're able to really isolate, nail down a lot of policy procedures and things that really just work from a big picture automation. I mean, yeah. operational point of view. You know? Yeah. So so how did you get into thinking about automation as part of the, the overall process? So MacRx in Illinois was growing and growing so quickly. Um, when I mm -hmm. first got here, we had of um, a small unit dose punch card machine that didn't even label the punch cards and we would print yeah these um these labels manually and you know put them on there themselves and with internal tracking so then we were bringing on a lot of different um customer base and then there was a very large um ltc player who lost a, a, a significant number of facilities all in one like maybe a two three month period so i found ourselves in a position where in march of 2018 we onboarded 26 facilities in 13 days. Um, and then we had slated growth in December to add another 4,000 lives in December. So, you know, we were at that point and at that cusp where we needed automation, but yeah. exactly what to use and how to use it became the question. And then that hit and I realized that, hey, you know, it's time for us to really take this seriously. So come May and June, we had installed automation uh, we had selected one after going through quite a bit of vetting process, and we had selected and installed um, a single single dose um, punch card automated system. Um, and so then we were preparing for this growth in December. We brought mm -hmm. out in December about four thousand lives, and we added about fifty one employees um, to ours to us. But we were able to then utilize everything through automation to really balance that out. 
Um, and so without us, without even skipping a beat, we kept them all, all of our employees, we added additional employees as well. We added automation and we kind of sailed through 2019 and 2020. We added about 2000 lives over that year and a half time, frame, time span uh, without mm-hmm. having to really increase our employees after that. So we've kind of held really steady specifically with our pharmacists and our fulfillment department with the automation we're able to kind of get uh, with a little bit of foresight, knowing what was coming down the road. Yeah. So did those new customers determine the type of automation you used, whether it was strip or you know blister hard? Is that you earned the business, you had to earn it and supply that what they wanted? I'd like to say it's a mix of both. I think we're very good at selling what we wanted, what we also wanted to spend. So we did do a lot of conversions of facilities that were on, you know, uh, single dose uh, pouches, multi-dose pouches to um, on-demand single dose punch. Um, but for the most part, yes, we were able to drive that because we knew what was coming down the pipeline. Um, we have a few individuals that it was a little bit more of a discussion that we had to have with them prior to locking down that facility as a client. But I think once they actually get used to it, if you do it very well, I mean, if a pharmacy is operating very well and there are no service gaps, I think that dispensing type would be one of the last things that they'll question. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So how do you think about, you know, the, the, overall process and where you fit automation in. And I, you know, we used to joke, I started my, my career in healthcare was saying with McKesson and worked at the McKesson automation business. And one of the things, you know, said all the time, when you think about automation is variability is the enemy of automation, right? The more it's standardized, the better it is. And every bit of variability makes it harder. And so how do you think of kind of process and and where you fit automation in and what changes you had to make in the in the pharmacy to make it work so for i think for the automation that you're going to choose in any pharmacy i think you have to isolate what can actually go through that automation and what can't right yeah and that's how you're going to begin to streamline and reduce the number of variables that go variables that go through in the best case scenario the items that you want to place through there are also your fastest moving most frequently dispensed items um, because um, you know, that's what you're going to press through there. I think it, at MacRx of Illinois, we took a slightly different approach to that. And I also added in um, our our um, most commonly dispensed brands and generics into this automation instead of just generics. But I actually did a big focus on the most that was dispensed in the oddest quantities. So the, the, oh, auto, the automation that we had there, their recommendation was in your, just your fastest movers overall. But I did add in an element of the quantity themselves because I did have that pre-packed machine that we had been using since day one. So since I know that machine can really do 30 days or a 30-day punch card or a 14-day punch card really with ease, then might as well utilize the automation that's a lot faster and yeah. you know a lot more accurate than potential human error to then pack those items that are the most frequently dispensed but in the craziest quantities because that machine can do 7 10 11 21 you know right. at the same rate as it can drop a 14 or a 30 um, and at a much faster rate than I can have a technician do. So it was more of an isolation of a hybrid of that concept with your brands and generics together the most of the majority of odd quantities would go through there we would we still kept our 30 and 14 day punch cards because that department yeah. um, was continually running. And then we really did a focus and a train on specialty meds and medications that had to be packed by hand, your half tabs, things like that, that we maintained on the floor. With awesome. our and did did you do that work or how much does the, the automation company, if you're looking and buying, kind of help you assess where and how you use it? 
Mm-hmm. A lot of the companies, because they're also trying to prove their value, yeah, they have yeah. ROI calculators that are built in. But I think we can all agree. Every pharmacy is different. Even among the three that we have now, everybody's so different. Your clientele is different. What you're looking at is different. Your skill mix might be different. Yeah. So they do have, they did provide us one. And then we added in our own elements um, based off of, you know, their initial rubric, um, because you have to look at your payback, right? When you're looking yep. at ROI on any automation, you have to really realize to yourself, how long is it going to take me for this machine to pay back what, you know, what we've kind of invested yeah. in that unit. And so with the unit that we had at Illinois, the first one that we had, um, and so there we call her Maria. And when she got- <laughs> they're, all, they're all named. I know they're that. all Everybody's named. It's like name. my favorite thing. Anyone who's got a yeah. robot in a pharmacy anywhere has, has a name. name. That, that was actually going to be the number one rule of this whole this whole hour was, hey, if there's no name, it's not going to It's not Right? Gonna right? It's like you've jinxed it if you haven't named it. Like, go ahead and put a name on. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm telling you, it's true. At MedScript, we had acquired a lot of different bits of automation. Believe it or not, they had four different- types of automation, all maybe functioning at 60% capacity. Wow. And so yeah. when we got there, you know, the first thing that we did was not just try to streamline and isolate, but they all got names right away because that's the only way that we make sure that we get to where we need to get to. Right, so, right. Yeah, so, you got to know you can talk to Maria and coach her. You can swear yeah. at Maria. <laughs> and she knows you can swear if you need yeah. to. You, you can discipline them. It's very important. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, so we we had a naming. It's great, and also it was great buying for the team. So also yeah. know that this person is part of the team, right? So it was yeah, really, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not sure how we got onto the tangent of name names. But right. I'll be honest, I forgot what we were talking about. <laughs> Sorry. Me, me too. If I'm <laughs> oh, the R, so we were talking about ROI. So what what yeah. how the how the companies can actually help you assess that. Gotcha. And then, yeah, talk to us a little bit about ROI, because that's a great, I mean, automation can be a big investment for pharmacy posts in terms of like the actual dollars to buy the equipment and the change management, which we'll get to in a minute. But yeah, how do you guys think about the ROI? So the ROI really for us, we we looked at a lot of outputs. So we do measure like widgets, we call them throughout the entire pharmacy, right? For every department, the number of prescriptions that we process across the pharmacy, we then back that up into the number of employees per sub department and then track that back to, let's say for order entry, the number of orders entered versus um, on the floor, the number of of, um, medication um, medications packaged. Mm So then when we took that, we took what that machine can can kind of produce in a minute times an hour and then times an eight hour shift and then kind of back that into how many technicians at at this niche of a pay rate that would then kind of take the place of. So, for instance, um, the machine that we had here, this one can do between four to five cards a minute versus a technician maybe can do that to about the number that that can do in about an hour, a technician can do in a, a little bit more than one shift of a technician. So as we back that in, I think our initial calculation for our ROI on that was about seven months, including install. Okay. And at the end of the day, because our install and the planning of the NDCs that we placed through that machine, we actually recognized our return on investment about five months. Um, and so really right now, 
for example, we also we just invested invested in another piece of automation. It's about a one point five million dollar robot, um, and so we projected our labor reduction cost to be about eight hundred eight hundred fifty thousand yeah. dollars. So that if you back that into the total, maybe you're going to take about a year and a half, a year and three quarters to really yeah. get back your um, investment dollars. Yeah. So not then, only in people, but probably inventory as well. Yeah, you probably maximize your inventory in those terms. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Cash. So, and for folks who don't know automation, how then cuz I have I have the the number I keep in my head, but what do you think of as a useful life? So you pay it back in, you know, call it 7 months to 18 months as kind of your average on these, right? How long do you use it for then? I think on average, you have to kind of reconsider depending on your maintenance. And I mean, yeah. I definitely recommend maintenance and um, service packaging because it pays for itself over right. that time frame. But I think about 10 years, I want to say 10, 10 to 12 years. So that's years, good because I was like, that's the number I keep in my head. So I was like, okay, so, yeah. line. this is roughly 10 years, right? So you think about that and it's like, shoot for the one you've paid back in seven months. And then you've got, you know, yeah. like nine years of... Uh, just, just maintenance return. cost actually yeah yeah wow but it's kind of like a car too the 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 yeah. more you take care of it along the way i, I yep. mean if the original owner and you know you took care of it you know the entire right. way and you did your scheduled oil changes along the way it yep. kind of looks a lot better um the one of the machines that we've had which is one of the most simplest machines again that since day one he's still here he runs very well he comes yeah. to work every day and he's doing really well you said he, <laughs> he most of them are named of- after women so you want yeah. you want to swear at the guy i I get it. Okay. <laughs> the guy's the old one was my takeaway. Oh. I mean, I, I didn't go there, Francis. You did. <laughs> you know. It's an old man that you want to yell at. Okay, I get it. Right, so. right. Um, no, so... I really think 10, 10 to 12 years is when you potentially will have to consider. But I mean, honestly, I'm always tempted. There's always something new that's coming up yeah. or something new that's coming out and something that's a lot more potentially innovative. So I would just, I mean, that's the thing, right? Changes are only constant. Right. So. right, right. So how'd you guys think about the the change management? Because for, you know, you've got the sort of three scenarios, one pharmacy that already had automation, one where you had the clean slate and you can design it from the beginning, but one where you brought it into an operation that was running, yeah. you know, without a lot of automation. So how do you think about how you got employees on board and where it changed processes and how you managed through that? Um, honestly, good planning and very clear communication. Yeah. You know, the second somebody sees an electrician or like construction happening, yeah. I think <laughs> it's what's going to happen to my job, right? I think mm-hmm. that reassurance and those touch bases with our teams really made sure that, hey, we have this all backed in and calculated. We have this growth that's coming. And that's really what we have it here so that we can, everybody can kind of still have, can still have their job. We have zero plans of any cutbacks whatsoever. And we were in a position that we were actually blessed to be able to do that. Um, and then, and then, um, we're going to be able to grow and we're kind of, you know, thinking ahead to relieve a lot of the stress that may happen when you have so much growth and not enough hands to help. Um, I think that's the concept that we're taking for this newer automation that's coming. Um, and we that should be here maybe around August, September of this year. And it was the same mindset and the same concept, just like, you know, five years ago, it's going to be the same thing. Um, I think where that communication is clear and the trust and your working environment is really solid. That's when you don't have the people that are doubting, hey, am I going to get fired tomorrow? Or, you know, really kind of, yeah, kind of make sure that the machine doesn't function well, right? I mean, people right. will have a lot yeah. of different ways that they can potentially sabotage something that's really sure. good. Um, and yeah. so I think just 
again, I know I said it multiple times, but that communication piece and making sure it's absolutely clear, that backed up with the fact that our employees know us and they have that trust and they have that trust in our levels of management throughout the company help to keep that message clear. You know, I'm pretty sure there were a few one-off individuals who maybe thought or said, but you know, when 99% of your team is on board and they understand yeah. what's coming, then you kind of remove the fear aspect. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting lens. Cause you guys have really, you know, it's not a labor replacement play mm-hmm. for you. It's a growth play, right? Correct. It's how do we keep the employees we have and really fuel the ability to grow faster yeah. versus saying, Hey, I can replace two FTEs or I can, yeah. you know. And then in Indiana, it was different. In Indiana, we had some automation there and we mm-hmm. added a new piece of automation based off of the new, new facilities that we had been onboarding over 2021, yeah. but the labor market just was not in our favor. So we it's were, t- it's been tough, there, right? Yeah, or you're sweating because you have open positions, you have, the financials to back the ability to pay these individuals, but you have no individuals coming to interview. So in right. at, at MedScript in Indiana, it was really to offset the inability to hire and to to maintain, you know, staff that shows up. Right, automation right. shows up, and it doesn't really call in sick. Um, there's yeah. no COVID, right? So, yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. you know, I think that was a huge reason why we had pushed automation and that automation into a pharmacy that really had a lot of existing um, uh, yeah. you know, job operations already. And right now, when we placed that machine there, we had 11 openings just on the fulfillment floor area at the pharmacy, and then we reduced all 11. So basically, it was just a plug and play. Again, there was not a reduction. And and in that situation, it it turned out positively in their favor. That machine right now is processing about 36% of their daily orders. Um, And so it allows and really frees up not just the pharmacists to be able to do clinical work, but it really frees up the technicians to be able to make sure that you're not losing quality throughout other areas of your pharmacy. When they're not there doing just a regular hand packing on a day-to-day basis, they can do things like maintain inventory and make sure that your returns are great and make sure that the machine is on schedule to be cleaned and, you know, some or, or even maintain returns things right. that sometimes will fall by the wayside if it's not in your primary dispensing day-to-day operations um you know those are areas where we then did a lot of you know good cleanup and catching up. right right yeah to some degree clinical aside you become somewhat of a manufacturing environment as well you get the you get raw materials in you package it you ship it uh yeah. that's simple it's pretty simple look at that but to some degree, I think that's where pharmacy is today, especially when you have the scale that you're in. Yeah, there is a there is a lot of that. And so that's why I think focusing on the areas where our pharmacists know that they are still pharmacists, right? Mm-hmm. And we're right. allowing them the ability by investing in this automation, we're allowing them, them the ability and freeing up a large significant portion of their time, about 60% of their time to then focus on those those aspects, right? Having the conversations with the prescribers and the nursing staff, walking nurses through potential interactions and things that they have to do. But then also there's a lot more time to be able to then clinically train and grow a lot of technicians in the different niches for where we can also have growth, which then I think helps a lot with stabilization of our employee um, foundation. Base, right. When you give your employees specifically your technicians area to grow and learn more and actually do more, I think that's when they really thrive in that environment. And then we have a lot right. of farmers that really thrive because then they can actually mentor individuals instead of just looking at, hey, let me get these scripts out the door. Right. Right. So 
lots of different types of automation out there and types of automation companies or not types of companies, but just different automation companies. How do you, you know, what types did you guys consider in terms of the type of automation and, and what kind of drove your choices one way or another? Um, so a big difference, I think, before we even looked at specific <clears throat> companies was, are we going to go punch or are we going to go pouch? Mm -hmm. That's yep. going to be the primary driver. Um, we service majority of skill um, across all okay. the all the pharmacies, and so really, pouch was not really that much of a consideration, just because of the location of where you're going to have yep. them. We do have a very unique um, group that we do work with that loves the pouch in their skilled setting, and they do it very well. But we do short cycles, um, okay. so really it's really going to just depend. Um, so we, when we were looking at <clears throat> initially looking, we, we decided between the two, and then after that, we isolated based off of cost, but then also honestly, re most recently availability. In 2018, okay. yeah. we mm -hmm. were able to isolate a machine and get that machine in here in less than a, about a month, a month and a half maybe. Yeah. Now, I mean, to put it into perspective, we we the machine that we're getting, the automation that we're getting for August, November of this year, we ordered that 16 months ago. Oh, so wow. you know, I think COVID had a huge impact on automation in the pharmacy yeah. space. I mean, we're not the only ones that couldn't hire, right? I think that yeah. only was True. an impact. And well, so and just general supply chain, right? If they're importing goods yeah. from overseas and Correct. and you know, they're they're an assembly operation as well as they build those Correct. robots. They're not just kind of coming off a line, they usually, you know, they don't keep those like in back stock. Hey, I've got yeah, eight right. robots here. <laughs> no. Go buy one, right? Which is crazy. I would I would think yeah. like at a point, like I guess there is a lot of pieces that they keep in stock, but some that mm -hmm. are very specific to where they're supposed to get it. The discussion yeah. on this and the reason why we landed at 15 months was because something has to come from overseas and that's, right. you know, that's you're waiting for one piece in a huge robot. And it doesn't right. make sense to me, but obviously we need a machine that works. So right, right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think that makes a, a very big difference too, as to when yeah. it was available, as to what we were going to select. Um, and then after that, it was to maintain continuity across the pharmacies. And then that's how kind of we decided to maintain that across all three locations. So we do have a bit of uh, one piece of automation that is the same across all three locations and okay. they run very well. And I think the good part for us at that with that as well is we know the ins and outs, the pros and the cons and how to really maximize what's coming out of that unit. And yeah. so the one at Med, at MedScript in Indiana, that one three months. And I mean, within a week and a half, typically it's a one month training, onboarding, kind of fine tuning, yeah. tuning and things like that. Maybe week and a half. And it was just off and running. So because you guys it knew. makes a very yeah. big difference. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what question, you know, if there's folks out there who haven't used automation in their pharmacies today and they're going out and talking to any of these companies, what questions would you tell them to, to ask? Obviously, lead time is a really important mm -hmm. one. one. Lead time and price are two really important ones. But are there other kind of key questions where you would say, hey, just be sure to ask about this or understand this ahead of time? I think the first thing that comes to mind for me, just from <clears throat> operational and expense, would be their um, their relationship with their boards of pharmacy across the states to see yeah. if that automation is capable for what we call a product verification override, right? Yep. Some states, based on where you are, they allow for that. And if that's your state, that's what I would ask first. Because then not only are you experiencing a, a shorter ROI because of your technician and that workforce, mm -hmm. you're adding in your pharmacist niche. And, yeah. you know, the more items that you're able to pa pass through through the automation and not having a pharmacist stop and checking every product that comes off of automation that goes out the door, that would be that would be my number one question. Yeah. 
yeah. if they have that established um, precedence with the state that you're going to operate in, that's just light years ahead of where you would be if they have none or none moving at all. Um, we worked yeah. with one of the boards to get that approved, and that worked very well. I know that Ohio had a lot of things moving as well, too. Um, <laughs> yeah. but I Ohio, I was going to say, from my, my 10 years ago yeah. history, Ohio is one that got me, and they're, they're tough. So I exactly. give the flip side of that, too, which is if you live yeah. in one of those states that it doesn't doesn't allow a tech check tech or it doesn't allow kind of the pharmacist to override on or to go, you know, basically to have it come out of a robot already approved, right. like, Man, go talk to your board of pharmacy because sometimes it's just they don't. The folks who are on there don't understand it. They work in a different right. environment that doesn't use the automation. Um, but and yeah, I'd, really I'd honestly I'd forgotten about that. How much variability yeah. there is of that across the there state is. boards. And I think a clear message to the boards, and we've done a lot of variances and and yeah. a lot of support with different um, automation companies. Is it's you're not you're not removing a pharmacist from right. the workflow you're just changing the location where they're inserted right yeah um, and then also having a lot of background information and just a lot of data from the pharmacy with regards to any automation related errors that are documented if i can say i filled ten thousand scripts yeah. through this machine and there was a point less than a quarter of a half of one percent of an error right. rate error. and they bump that up against ismp's human error rate i mean you're talking about night yeah, There's, I was gonna say that no contest this the data is super clear. And the thing that amazes me now that 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 there are boards that hold out is like this isn't new technology anymore, right? It's technology that's existed for 40 years and it's been proven over and over and over again, whether it's long-term care pharmacies or hospital pharmacies, et cetera, right? Like it's it's really it widely used. And that was yeah. that was another driver for us because I, I would say like there's a lot of if we're going to take punch cards, there's a lot of automation out there for punch cards, but there are some um, some of those companies that have that history and that background yeah. and that validation, and then versus some that potentially haven't even broached that subject yet. Okay. And so for me, that would be a big decision factor for me. Yeah, yeah. Did you use, or is there an advantage to use like a third party, like a consulting company to, to help you make those decisions? Or do you rely on the salespeople from the, from the company you're looking at? We have never utilized one, but I think that's a that's a really good idea. I I honestly, I, I we've never gone that route, but I definitely would see how that's an advantage because just like in a facility that needs to go through a plan of correction, using an, a third party, non pharmacy, non facility right. company kind of helps to drive and kind of validate that plan of correction. So yes, I would I would definitely think that would be a good route too. Yeah, yeah there there are companies out there that that can help in those areas. So I wondered if that was anything you've done in the past. So. No, so we've been on the. I'm more of a doer, Jim. I don't know what else to tell sure. you. <laughs> no, uh, trust me, I know that of you. Yes, <laughs> I just want yeah. to let them know this is what we have, and right, and have the have the argument ourselves, right? Support. Yeah, them. there you go. Yeah, I've seen you argue with yourself before, yeah. so that's good. Yeah. yeah. So, what other any other questions you would say? Hey, be sure to ask us. Um, so definitely timeline and turnaround and availability, and then that that PV2 over it. And then, of course, cost. Nothing comes yeah. for free. And honestly, if your pharmacy can't afford it, you you may want to pick something else that you can really turn and still help the pharmacy, but not get yourself, you know, not bite off more than you can chew as a, from right. a pharmacy. 
Yeah. So the range of what we were looking to purchase really varies even across our three locations. We have, you know, MacRx that's kind of been here in Illinois yeah. a lot longer, maybe a little bit deeper, you know, pockets and a lot more standing credit history, things like that. Then you look at the acquisition, which is now two years, a little more than two years. So we have a little bit more flexibility. But then with our startup to say to a company, hey, can you, you know, fill me this automation or, you know, right, like work with me yeah. and for this automation, it may not work. So definitely, I think that cost has to be a big question. So do you look at any central fill opportunities like, you know, with multiple pharmacies having, you know, Chicago being a central fill location in that regard? No. So no. right now for the three locations, we definitely will keep them all independent and separate. Um, but we can help each other sometimes as a backup. But besides that, no, we have no overlapping operations or dispensing whatsoever. Okay. Yeah. So what, if you think of kind of automation in your pharmacy, what have been a couple of the like absolute best benefits and what have been some of the biggest challenges? Um, I'm going to go with challenges first. Okay. So and then we'll end on the good one. I like that. Also, because I'm thinking of what my answer will be, but um, honestly, the challenges will be drug shortages. It's hard. You're looking at an automation that's based off of the size, shape, weight, right? Sometimes even color of a tablet or capsule and, you know, <clears throat> like stock and, you know, Drug availability has improved yep. over the past 18 months, but it's still hard. So when you have to have, you know, cassettes or different items that specifically are specific to an IDC, I think that poses a, a big challenge. That would probably be the, one of the most difficult things and the turnaround time to get that changed over when I know I have to get these medications out is hard. So we try to look ahead. We run a perpetual inventory in the pharmacy. So we kind of know when we're coming to that end and how we can work ahead to kind of switch that over. Um, but that would be one of the biggest challenges. <clears throat> Definitely would be that. And then um, the biggest advantage that I would say that it provided is is to the pharmacy, not just financially, but really to, I have to be biased, I'm a pharmacist, yeah, really, yeah. really in that aspect. That's the part where I know for sure across the pharmacies, that's what they appreciate the most. It is the ability to really free up your technicians and your pharmacists to be able to do a lot of other things within the pharmacy. And it's yeah. that reliability factor that <clears throat> kind of helps. I think there's a lot of pharmacists that really enjoy the automation as well. And so yeah. when they're able to really understand it and know how it moves um, and what, you know, what works and what doesn't work workflow wise, I think that really helps to um, continue um, their interest in, you know, working on the machine and also making improvements along the way. Nice. Yeah. I, I'm one of those nerds who I'm like, I love, I love the audit. Like it's like, take me into a manufacturing plan. I love to see how it works and how it gets together. So I'd be, I'd fall in that camp too, where it's actually kind of cool. Like it's, it is. it's neat to see it working. I'm, I'm excited to see our new piece of automation too, but you know, when we're, sometimes we'll bring in, um, you know, clients that we're actually working with and still marketing. And when we come through, I'll be honest, it, it does look pretty nice, right? When you're yeah. coming to a pharmacy and you see everything from the family atmosphere, you see the area here, you see people, you know, technicians working side by side yeah. with pharmacists. And then you go into an area where there's this pretty cool automation that's going through the pharmacy. It definitely looks it definitely looks and gives a good feel to the to the facilities and and it kind of helps with you know the marketing process. There's a yeah, there's an element of kind of sophistication and advancement. Yeah. That comes when it's That's a really nice. automated yeah. process. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. That, that also helps. Yeah. Little little side bonus on the sales, right? <laughs> 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 might not, might, might not think about. 
It's a good story to tell too. When we tell the names as we're passing through, it always right. makes that our, you know, that our tour throughout the far- through the pharmacy is really just jovial and happy, right? It's just, yeah. and that it just goes along with, you know, the employees and everybody that's here. So, yeah. Is that yeah. a regular part of your sales process to bring people to the pharmacy if they can come? It is. I think it makes that's a great. big difference to show them where it would be coming from, right? It's yep. not, it's not coming from, right? I, I think that yeah. they can see it. And then it, honestly, they they see our employees, some of them even talk to them and ask them questions when we're not there, right? You just want to know and have that reassurance of where it's coming from and keep that personal touch. LTC is still very personal. Yeah, I know we're talking about a lot of automation and things like that, but it's the people and it's the, it's a really small, really tight community where everybody kind of knows each other. And so it's face really with the name. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, and, right. it's, and that's what we do when we market and with our clientele. We have a lot of facilities, but we could, I could tell you all of our, you know, every, I can tell everybody by face and, and they right. also know my face. And I think that kind of just adds to that layer so that they can see who's dispensing their medications and where it's coming from. Yeah. It's so funny. Sometimes we'll have a director of nursing or a, a clinical, a chief nursing officer come in, do a tour. And then as I'm introducing the pharmacist, they're like, oh my gosh, we've talked on the phone before. Right. Right? It's so funny. <laughs> and I think that part makes it fun. Yeah. 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 Well, it is fine. I mean, long-term care is that sort of in a unique position in the industry where it's like, if you're hospital, I mean, that, that pharmacy is there, you know, mm-hmm. wander down mm-hmm. to the basement 99% of the times, right. right. Um, you can walk through the pharmacy, you know, the pharmacist. And if you're retail, you know, the patient walks in, they see you, they see the bottles back there. You kind of know where it comes from. And right. I'll set aside mail order is probably the other one, but mm-hmm. really on like a scale level, long-term care is that one slice of the industry where the pharmacy is not kind of directly visible to the people mm-hmm. exactly. getting the meds. Yeah. So it makes a difference. It does. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It's it's very nice to bring them in there and just, again, it kind of like seals the deal with that personal touch. Yeah. 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 So what should we have asked you that we didn't about automation? What, what is there anything where you're like, everyone should know this? I think you always, always have to do a look back. So once yeah. you've gone through the process, you've vetted the company, you've, you've invested in the automation, you've done your planning, you've done your communication, you did your calculation of your ROI, then I think at the end of the day, you do have to revert back and say, did I hit those goals, right? Yeah. Uh, When you set goals prior to automation, you decided to, you know, invest in automation for a reason. Did you hit those benchmarks? And how well did you hit them, right? Did you, the performance that we just, that we wanted to achieve, did we achieve those and what we envisioned? Um, Were we able to get to our goal output in that, in a specific amount of time? What challenges that we had? But then I think also thinking of operationally with implementation for me personally, what worked and what didn't work so that the next time you do it, you do it with ease. And I think that shows that success shows at the other locations because we've gone through that kind of postmortem process. Yeah. That like lessons learned. It is funny. It never ceases to amaze me anywhere in business where it's like, we build these super complex models to make an investment like that. And then like, you sign the contract and you never look at the model again. Yep. <laughs> right. so it's, it's it's worthwhile. It's especially if you're going to make that investment again another time, right? With software or you know automation, mm-hmm. to know, hey, what did we what did we value and what worked, what didn't work, what was yeah. real, what wasn't real. 
Um, yeah. That's the way we give the best feedback, not just to our managers on site, but then, you know, we do consider ourselves like a vendor partner. So trust me, a lot of our vendors do hear a lot of feedback as to what yeah. worked and what didn't work. Yeah. And they have made process changes in their own implementation yeah. based off mm -hmm. feedback given, right? Again, yeah. we're only here to make each other better. And so if I'm able to say, hey, this worked and this didn't work because of X, Y, and Z, absolutely, they can take that back and then work that into something else that they may have a different project moving with another pharmacy down the road. 100%. I would say customers often yeah. underestimate how valuable that is. You know, it's like we, I feel like sometimes we like beg and plead, like, please do a survey. And it's so annoying, but like, we really do use the feedback. Yeah. And it is, it's true. It's like when we have customers who say, yeah, this was really good, or this we struggled with, or this would be better. Yeah, most most of us out here, we might, you know, we really do try to do a good job, I think, as vendors, as the, yeah. so if we can be better. Sometimes the feedback's hard to hear. We do yeah. feedback all the yeah. time. Sometimes it's hard to hear, but, you know, I think the worst thing that can come of it is that you didn't learn anything from yeah. it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Feedback can be a gift. It can. That's, so I was, exactly. I was, I was gonna. Jim hears us all the time. So Bob, who's quote, um, quote our president Bob Bates, yeah, our yeah. our um, chief operating officer. Now, I mean, it's chief something he says officer, all the time. Yes. Which is feedback is yeah. a gift, and it's a, yeah. it's an incredible lens to have for it because I think it can be hard. But if you mm -hmm. go in with that lens of like, it's a gift. Yep. It's yeah. actually a gift that's gonna because if you don't know, you're just gonna keep doing the same, you know, frustrating things over and over again, and. If you know, you can actually change something and make it better. So, exactly. Yeah. And sometimes you're just so busy from the day to day, you actually right. don't remember exactly what happened. But if right, you right. had a time to actually go back and actually think to yourself what happened the past month, it's it's nice to put those those moments in stone and actually write them down. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So we usually end the podcast with a an X factor, right? Like, what's the one thing? If somebody listening is going to kind of walk away and do something different, what's the one thing they should take away and say, hey, I should think about this in my pharmacy when I wasn't thinking about it before? What would you tell them? I wasn't them? prepared for this question. <laughs> I, know. I didn't tell you about this one ahead of time. I just like dropped this on you. Say for the record, not all these questions were told to me ahead of time. No, no. That's like a, that's a big one. Um, <clears throat> let me think. <laughs> I won. Uh, like I'll, I'll put an answer in your mouth, which is like, shoot, if you don't have automation, uh, there's a heck of a lot of value. It sounds like automation can give you in your, in your pharmacy, particularly if you're growing. So <clears throat> yeah, definitely. So automation, automation can really be a game changer at the end of the day yeah. um, on whether you're your patients are getting their medications or not, right? And so yeah. I think again, as long as you as long as you plan ahead, automation is something that I don't think anybody will ever regret, you know, implementing yeah. in their pharmacy. Yeah. It's a great phrase. Right. Well said. <laughs> yeah. That's like, that's like the most important takeaway. And I don't know. So anyway, I think that was a good, which, I mean, it is something to think about, which is like, look, yeah. how often, how yeah. often have folks put in automation and regretted it pretty rarely. No, right. yeah, definitely. We've re regretted none of it. If anything, they want more. And then right. we have pictures going around saying, oh, this looks nice. But, you know, it's like getting yeah. a new car. It has right. that my car doesn't have. So yeah. right. right. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, this has been an absolute delight. We appreciate you spending time with us. Um, and thank you a whole lot. Thank yes, you so much. Go. For
Thank Go you. down and yell at that old uh, man packaging machine. <laughs> the, the old man <laughs> packaging time, machine. Next and, time you visit, I'll make sure to make an introduction. <laughs> all right. And Maria, I'm the robot. looking forward to meeting him. Thank come them come also. after September, Jim. Come after September because then you'll see the new baby. Okay. Oh, we'll do that. <laughs> does yeah, does the new baby have a name? Not yet. Not yet. That's we're gonna put that out to vote for the for okay. the, the staff. I'm gonna give you a you second go. chance sure. at a closing. What's the best process to name your automation? How do you guys do it? <laughs> we great. we throw, put names out. Everybody would put a name. Yeah. I think last time we did three, and then we did on whole whole pharmacy vote, and then the the best one won. Perfect. I think the first time with with our first bit of automation, there was a lot of jealousy because I had named that one. And okay. so, yeah. you know, I think at this point we had to really put it out there and let other people have a say. Yeah. So, so the number one change management takeaway is let everyone have involved a, in the name. Yeah, name the baby. <laughs> and name the let baby. everyone be involved. And and that's the plan. So maybe a little after September, Jim, we'll 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 show you our newborn baby. And I guess you have to have a gender reveal too, because you got a male and female <laughs> machine. So right. I don't know. So. <laughs> that, that's right. I'll think about that. Maybe we'll do that in, in August. There awesome. you go. Well, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Integra X-Files. We'd like to hear from you and gain your perspective on the X-Factor and improving long-term care pharmacy. Connect with us at IntegraXFiles.com. That's IntegraXFiles.com.